0: Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. We're excited to be at Radiant Church today. And I'm so glad that you're here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Aaron Burke. I'm the lead pastor. We are one church in six locations all over Tampa Bay and online. If you're watching us online, watching us on YouTube throughout the week, drop some love in the chat. Let us know where you're watching from. We don't consider you just a number, you're a part of our family, and we're pumped that you're with us today in all of our locations North Tampa, St. Pete, Brandon, Heights. God's doing incredible stuff. South Tampa, you guys look so good. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm ready to dive right into it. We are in part three of a four-part series we're calling The Comeback. Say, The Comeback. We are talking about comeback stories, and we have some great ones for next Sunday for Easter, but we've been looking at some through the Bible that um, I think are important. We looked at the prodigal son story and the comeback story where he came back home, and then we looked last week at the story of Peter where he had made a bunch of mistakes, but he came back to Jesus. Today, we are going to go Old Testament. We are going to look at a very famous guy in the Old Testament. We're going to look at his comeback story which I believe is one of the greatest ones in the Bible. And if you have your Bible today or you watch it online, I want you to open to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. It goes Genesis, Exodus. Look at that right there. (laughs) Easy for you to find. Exodus chapter 3. It's one of the most important passages in the Old Testament, a defining moment where it really changed not only this guy's life, but history because of what happened. So let's see what happened. We'll start in verse 1. says it like this, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. How many know it's either a really good experience to work for your father-in-law or a really bad experience to work for your father-in-law? He says it like this, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared in flames of fire from within a bush. Now that... Is, you have to understand, this is not just a, a story, this is an event that actually happened. And Moses sees this, and, th- and he goes up, and he's like, that bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. Like this is, this is weird. This is not normal. Verse 7, then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard they're crying out because of the slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. Can I say this to everybody at every location? God knows what you're going through right now. God knows what you're feeling. He knows the tragedy you've walked through. God sees your pain, and I want you to know, you might not see him working on it, but God is working behind the scenes at bringing a solution to whatever you're going through. I know they're shouting me down at other locations, but can I get a good amen here at South Tampa? He knows he, he's concerned about their suffering. He says, so now I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land and into a good and spacious land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Let me remind you today, no matter how good it is in your life right now, it always gets better with God. It always gets better. You go, it can't ever get better than this. It can get better than this. Our God is a good God, and he's got good plans in store for us and for your life. Verse 10, so now, go, I am sending you. Now, this is what it really frustrates me about God. Every time I see a problem that needs to be solved, God says, Here's the solution to the problem. It's you. You're the solution to the problem. We're like, Oh, God, you, you picked the wrong guy. You, you picked the wrong girl. God says, no, 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 I see more in you than you see in yourself. Wow. You, you're the solution I'm looking for. He said, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring, out, bring my people out, the Israelites out of Egypt. Then Moses, went back to Jethro's father-in-law and says, let me return to my own people in Egypt and see if any of them are still alive. And Jethro said, man, you go, I wish you well. In other words, that sounds really good for you, but I'm staying here. And he goes on to say like this in verse 19, now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. We'll get to that in just a second. So Moses took his wife and his sons and put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, when you get to that place, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. An important passage, a crucial passage where now Moses has been living on this side of the desert for decades and decades, and he has this moment that I'm believing those watching online, those in all of our locations are going to have today, where you are challenged, and here's the challenge, you can write it down, it's the title of today's message, and it's simply this, to get back in action, to get back in action. You've been sitting around, you've been observing, you've been at a distance for far too long, and your pastor has a word from God for you today. And it's simply, it's time for you to get back in action. We need the gift of God that's inside of you. And for far too long, especially over this last year, we have disqualified ourselves and put ourselves down, and God is calling you once again to say, I've got something great in store for your life. I've got some purpose in store for your life. Come on, give a better praise than that today, church. Get back in action. Back in action. To, to understand the story, you got to go back into Moses's life. Let me give you a little bit of a, an understanding of who this guy is. Moses was born to slaves that were called Hebrew people. So the Hebrew people were part of. They were living in Egypt, and they were taken over as as slaves to the Egyptians. And while they were there, uh, they started to you know uh, have a lot of kids. So they become a threat to the Egyptians, and when they became a threat, what ended up happening is the Egyptians said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take this whole next group of people, we're gonna kill all the babies. Wow. So while they made this decision to kill all the babies, Moses' his mother just had him and said, okay, I, I, I gotta do something, I don't want my child to die. Yeah. So what she does is she puts him in a basket, you've probably seen the movie, and while she puts him in the basket, she takes him and puts him down the river, and while she, Moses is going down the river, He ends up in in the area of Pharaoh's palace, and somebody in Pharaoh's palace decides to take Moses in, and when they take him in, they ended up raising him in Pharaoh's palace. This is a moment that he would actually go from being a slave to royalty in the palace. Talk about a life-changing moment. And as he's in this palace, he's being raised up and having moments where he's doing what people in Egypt do. Come on, you know, he's, he's playing around in the pyramids and he's, he's hanging out in the Nile. He's getting boats stuck in the canal. Come on, that's what they do. <laughs> too early, too soon, I guess, for that joke. <laughs> So he has this time where he's being raised, and as he's part of the royal family there in Egypt, he ends up one day probably having a portrait made, and they're, they're, they're painting the whole family, and as they're doing this, Moses looks at it and realizes one of these things doesn't look like the other, and realizes, man, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm part of this family, but I'm not really from this family, and he realizes and has this moment to realize, man, I'm actually one of those slave people. And when this happens in his life, everything changes. He starts to look at things a little bit different. And one day a story tells us that in Exodus chapter 2, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. Now, he probably had saw this many times before. But now he's realizing this Hebrew is one of his own people. So then he looks at it a little bit different. And while he's looking at it this way and that, he sees that, man, nobody else is around. So you know what he does? He kills the Egyptian and he hit him in the sand. How many know, you don't mess with Moses. Moses will cut you like that. (laughs) This guy is savage right here. Hits the guy in the sand. And he thinks there's no way anybody else is going to know. Well, people did know. And people did see him. And a couple days later, some men walk up to him and say, hey, we know what you did. And when he finds out that people know, he freaks out. And Moses runs away from Egypt and ends up in this area called Midian where he lives in a desert now for the next 40 years of his life. It's in Midian that he meets Jethro, who ends up becoming his father-in-law. Jethro's daughter, who Moses ended up marrying, was named Zipporah. Can you say Zipporah? Now, I've never met a Zipporah. I'm not gonna stereotype a Zipporah, but how many know Zipporah? If you got the name Zipporah, you have up to no good. you have up to no good right there. No good, you know, long fingernails, long eyelashes, little bit sassy, Zipporah's sassy. Uh, and none of this is in the Bible, but come on, how many know that's the truth? If Zipporah DMs you on Instagram, you don't respond to Zipporah right there. No good. No good. You know Moses never acted up because he's like, Zipporah's going to get me today. <laughs> I'm going to be home on time. I'm going to do the dishes when she tells me to do the dishes. Life with Zipporah. So he's living in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. I want you to look at this timeline. Because people don't understand the life of Moses. They think because they saw some movie that this is some 18-year-old kid that God sends in front of Pharaoh to let my people go. But that's not the case. Look at this timeline. He was born. He lived 40 years in Egypt. So he's a 40-year-old man when he ends up killing that guy. He ends up having to flee to Midian where he now lives 40 years in the wilderness And then in the wilderness, now our story comes about where now he has the burning bush experience. It was not here. It's not when he's some teenager. It's he's an 80-year-old man when he has a burning bush experience and God calls him. Let me just look right at that camera. Don't let anybody let your age, let your gender, let your race disqualify you for what God wants to do through your life. You're not too old. You're not too young. If God calls you, he can use your life for a greater purpose. I'm a, come on, give a better praise than that today, church. And then he ends up spending the next 40 years through the wilderness until he ends up dying, obviously, at 120 years old. This is the story of Moses' life. God calls him back in action at the age of 80 years old. And if, like you, we would all have these moments where we would, we would sit there and go, but God, you po- chose the wrong person. You chose the, the wrong person, the wrong, this isn't, this isn't my stage of life. Uh, uh, that was great for a, for a younger God. Can you imagine Moses' It's dialogue with God. Like, God, like you missed out on this opportunity. Yes, I would have been your guide when I was living in the palace. They forgot about me. It's been 40 years since I've been there. I'm the wrong person for you to pick and we have got to stop telling God why he can't use our life. If God's called you, if God put you in that marriage, if God put you in that trial, then I want you to know God sees something in you that you might not see in yourself, but you can be victorious through it all. So I'm going to give you some lessons that Moses would have learned through this situation. Because here's what happens in our life. When God calls us back into action, whether it's serving, whether it's giving, whether it's inviting, whether it's using your gifts for a, a greater purpose, every time God calls us back in action, we come up with excuses. Here's the problem, is you can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. Wow. I'm going to challenge you to remove your excuses because I believe God's got a big plan to use you in this next season of life where a lot of you guys have just been out of the action. Out of the front lines, some of you, not just for the last year, but maybe for the last decade of your life, and God's calling you back in action. Here's the first lesson Moses would have learned. He said, simply, no season is wasted with God. No season is wasted with God. At 80 years old, when God calls Moses back to Egypt, I bet the light bulb turned on. I bet he had this moment to realize, wait, all those years where I thought it was wasted, nothing was wasted with God. Because many times, if we don't remember this, here's what happens, we end up getting very discouraged by the seasons that we've gone through and not realize that they're not in our life because God wants to punish us. They're in our life because God is preparing us for something great. He's preparing us for something bigger. Uh, Let me show you Moses' life one more time because people forget this. They are in this moment. Where now he is spending the first 40 years of his life as a person living in Egypt. Look at that timeline one more time. I want you to see this, all right? 40 years in Egypt. We see in the scriptures that Moses' time in Egypt was used learning all the things that the Egyptians would do. So, what were the Egyptians known for? They were known for their academics. They were known for their, their, their intelligence. They were known for their reading, for their writing. They were known as the best in the globe for history when it came to preserving artifacts and preserving history. Why would Moses need the 40 years in Egypt? I want you to think about this for a second. Because most of us only know Moses as a deliverer. But very few know Moses as the author. Moses was actually the author of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Old Testament. Where would he have gotten those skills to write those books? He would have done it in this first season of his life. So many people mess up these moments and go, it's a wasted season, not with God. He's he's preparing you whether you know it or not. And he was preparing Moses in the academic setting in Egypt. And then he goes to the wilderness. Oh, but the wilderness is definitely wasted. 40 years. Oh, yeah, he got a wife. He got some kids. But, but, but really, he didn't need that for his purpose. Oh, really? What was he doing in the wilderness? His job in the wilderness was herding sheep, moving sheep around the desert. Think about this. For 40 years before he actually took the people of God through the wilderness to the promised land. For 40 years, he was living in that land, moving sheep around every single day. And he probably thought to himself, how pointless is this? I will never need to know what the topography of a desert is like. I'll never need to know how to measure what the weather is going to be like. I'll never need to know about terrain and about different things in the desert. This is a pointless season until he realized when he was leading those people out of Egypt. Whoa, 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 whoa god was preparing me the entire time to not move sheep but to move people god is in the business of preparing you there's not a season wasted he went 40 years of of academics 40 years of practical um, lessons into 40 years of leading let me just tell you god's been preparing you to this moment for the leadership that he has for you next nothing is wasted with god come on give Him better praise than that today amen So you can write it in your notes this way. Difficult seasons, they're not desirable, but they are developmental. So So a lot of you guys are frustrated with the season you're in right now because you're going, Aaron, nothing I'm dealing with right now is going to help me in the future. And you have no clue how God is preparing you right now for the leadership he has for you next. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. That's is our problem. We try to quit things way too quickly. We go, "Man, well, I just I'm giving up on this season. I'm giving up on this small group. I'm giving up on the dream team. I'm giving up on and giving." Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because here's why. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If you're in a tough season right now, it's not in vain. God has been preparing you for it. And he's preparing you through it for something he has on the other side. Give him better praise. Amen. When I decided to go into ministry, um, I felt God calling me. I had to do an internship through my university that I was at. So they sent me to Oregon where I was going to do a three-month internship at a church there in Portland. And so I flew to the church, spending my whole summer there. And when I arrived at the church, I met with the pastor and he said, well, what are you called to do? I said, I'm called to be an evangelist. I'm called to preach the gospel. I want to see nations saved. And he says, all right, great. You're at the right church. Here's what we're going to do. He says, we're going to take you. We're going to put you in three different you know, rotations. Your first rotation it's going to be for about four to five weeks, and you're going to be in our children's ministry. I said, sir, I don't think you heard me. I'm not called to that. I'm called to, like, real human beings, you know? like, like My idea of children's ministry is me, your kids, duct tape, and, like, veggie tales. Like, that's it. There's no way. I'm not, I'm not called to that. He goes, no, 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 we're going to do, be doing a big VBS And a VBS is the Vacation Bible School. He goes, we're going to be doing this big VBS, and we want you to help run this VBS. I said, this is the most pointless summer of my life. So I would spend every day, six days a week, in this children's pastor's office. He had the worst coffee breath I've ever experienced in my entire life. And he was a close talker, and he would just talk to me about how, how excited he was about this vacation Bible school. He came up with this idea and said, Aaron, what we're going to do is we're going to do this like, welcome to Lava Island. And we're going to create this volcano out of paper mache And by, what he meant by we are going to create is he meant, Aaron, you are going to create a volcano out of paper mache and it's going to take you weeks and weeks. And for days and days on end, I was taking this, pa- this paper mache, making this big volcano to get this thing ready for this island that all these kids would come on to, this tropical island at our church. And they're all going to experience the gospel in this tropical island. So I work on this thing for four weeks straight, literally hating life every single day. Going home, sitting there going, this is the biggest waste. I remember calling my, my mom. This church doesn't see the gift in me. They don't see the greatness of Aaron Burke. Like, do we say the stupidest things, don't we? Like, oh, man, they don't recognize who I am. This is below me. I had no clue what God was doing. So I put on this, this vacation Bible school. It was the stupidest thing. I mean, it was like the kids, like, they're coming in, and I'm in this, like, you know, this, this island outfit, and I'm doing this whole thing, and, you know, we're, we're doing this whole movement, and all these kids come. There's like 450 kids that show up to this thing. ton of them get saved, and it's, you know, it's a cool win, and I go, okay, I'm done with that. Now I'm ready for what I'm really here for. Isn't it funny? We always think we know what's best for their life. So I go into the other areas of ministry that I'm really excited about. This is what I'm really here for. And I thought that whole season was pointless. But remember, nothing's wasted with God. And now, a year later, after that experience, I got my first full-time job in ministry. I got hired on as a missions director to oversee 5,000 kids on a tropical island off the coast of India called Sri Lanka. And my whole job, put on programs that kids would enjoy that would present the gospel to them. How did I get prepared for that season? God had done it way in advance. That's how he works in our lives. You've got to stop despising the days of preparation. Nobody sees me. I'm behind the scenes. Nobody recognizes the gift. When you're not working in it, let me just encourage you. God is working on it behind the scenes. He's got your back and he's preparing you. It's not a wasted season with God. Someone needs to hear that encouragement today. Get back in the action because don't discourage yourself. By going, I've wasted so much time. No, 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 no. You have no clue how God's going to use that, se- that season. So Moses has this moment where he realizes, oh, it all makes sense. But then God's calling him back to the place where he killed a guy. Talk about a painful place. Talk about a frustrating place. But This is the second thing Moses would have learned. Number two is that our, the place of our greatest pain is usually the place of our greatest purpose. And a lot of you guys have avoided your pain for so long. You've been Moses in the wilderness for 40 years, avoiding the pain. And really, let me just say this. The pain is the purpose. The mess is the ministry. The the struggle you've gone through, that is the stage God wants to put you on. So stop running from the pain and start running towards the purpose of the pain. And if you've been through some painful seasons, I want you to know that's what god wants to use in your life he wants to use that that empathy that that, that situation that that Moses had. That was the thing that God wanted to use in his life. No wonder God picked Moses. Moses was the only one that would go out of his comfort zone to protect these Hebrew people. God says, oh, you're drawn towards it. It's something that draws, that keeps you up at night. I've got purpose on the other side of it. There's way too many people that have been frustrated because you're going, Aaron, my pain is part of my story that I'm trying to forget. And I would encourage you, don't forget the pain you've gone through because because the best indicator, listen, write it on your notes, of what you were called to is looking back at what you have gone through. <laughs> no wonder God called him back to Egypt. That's where his pain was at. That's where it was going to be a test of his faith. That's where it was going to be a moment where he had to go, okay, I'm going to trust you, God, to what the enemy meant for get bad. You're going to turn it around for good. That is the moment of this. And there's many people in the room today, and you've gone through divorce, or you've gone through loss, or you've gone through the miscarriage, or you've gone through bankruptcy, you've gone through the failed business, and that part of your life, you're trying to sweep under the rug, and you're running as far away from it as possible. And I would encourage you, don't run from it, run to it, because that's the place of your greatest ministry. Listen, people are impressed with your wins, but they are, are impacted with your struggles. And you've all had pain points and struggles in your life and and things, but we're all trying to impress everybody. That's what social media is all about. It's just, look how great my life is. People don't care about that. You want to make an impact on the world today? Embrace the pain that you've gone through. There's other people in here today, it's not a pain that you've gone through, but it's a pain that you experience. It's a pain that that you feel. It's, it's It's the frustration you feel that nobody else feels this way about anything else. You're, you're the people that come into the room and go, why doesn't anybody care about this? Can I present to you today that maybe you care about it so much and the reason it's something that drives you is because God put that passion and that pain inside of you because he wants you to be the change of that situation. He, 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 you see it and you're, you're a person that sees it because God wants you to do something about it. Listen, write it in your notes. When we discover a problem, when you figure out that there's some issue that needs to be solved... We only have two options, and here's what they are. You can become an agent of change, or you can become an agent of criticism. And I have found with the church as a whole that there is a lot of people that love to criticize, and very few that love to actually make change. And God's not called us to be critics. Let me tell you, that is what happens when people stop progressing and stop moving towards their their purpose in Christ, because when you stop getting better, you become the critic of those who do. And that is a lot of people's lives right now where everybody has an opinion about everybody else. Instead, why don't you become an agent of change? That's why I'm so passionate about what we're doing through foster care system. There were so many people that felt the drive going, we got to do something about this. And we had hundreds of you guys show up and getting trained. And many families right now going through the process of getting approved to be foster parents and adopting. And I look at that going, our church is not going to be critics of this system. We are going to be the change in our city, in our region. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is called to do. This is a moment that we have to embrace the fact that, man, God's calling us back into action. Start a small group for whatever you've gone through. Reach out to some people who have gone through what you're going through. If you're in a season of singleness and you feel that pain in that time, reach out to other single people. Create some community. Use your pain for a greater purpose. I love this story because when God called him back to it, he said, I want you to know this, Moses. Go back to Egypt. And all of those who wanted you dead, by the way, they've all died. Like like those who could have killed you, They can't kill you any longer. And I want to encourage some people in here today. Let me tell you, the enemy that wanted you dead, he is defeated. He is not the one in charge. We serve a risen Savior. So if you're not going to that purpose in your life because you're worried about the enemy of your soul, you are victorious in Jesus. You are an overcomer. And you can walk in victory. Can I get a better amen than that today, church? story goes. So he made excuse after excuse after excuse. Let's look at the first one. Okay. Hey, it's been too long. I've had way too many wasted years. Well, there's nothing wasted with God. Well, God, I can't go back there because that's where my pain is at. Well, no, no, your pain is normally your greatest place of purpose. Then he came up and if you read chapter four, he gives list of all the reasons why he doesn't have the abilities to do what God's calling him to do. Why do we always try to talk God out of choosing us? I want to encourage you in here today. Listen, God knows the behind the scenes of your life, and he still chose you. That is encouraging to me because I know my behind the scenes, and I'm like, I wouldn't choose me. But God, who knows everything, knows the intentions of my heart, knows everything, go, Aaron, you're my choice. Like, like That's impressive to me that our God believes in us more than we believe in ourselves at times. So can I encourage you with this? I love it when he says, he says, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform for Pharaoh all the wonders I have given um, you the power to do. So when you go there, don't tell Pharaoh how great you are. Don't tell Pharaoh how strong you are and how mighty you are. No, no, go display my power. And I want you to know this should be the mark of the Christian life. We should be marked by people of power, of authority, of miracles. We should be seeing more miracles than we're seeing right now. And here's what it is. Number three is simply this. To overcome your objection, overcome your excuse of going back into action. Here's the third one. Ready? It's that God's power is most evident when you are reaching God's people. There's so many people that are sitting there going, well, I just don't see God moving in my life. It's because your life is all about you. When it's all about us, no wonder God's not moving through us. He doesn't have anybody to move through in that situation. When I see God's hand in my life, it's not because I'm a fill-me-up person going, please, God, give me another dose of your presence. It's going, God, please pour into me so that I can pour out on a lost and dying and hurting world. Like, I don't need the Holy Spirit so that I get a little bit of goosebumps once in a while. I need the Holy Spirit to be effective in Walmart and and in my workplace and, and at armature works. Like, let's be those people. That we're people that we're, we're using the power that God's given us to be a witness to the world around us. Power to love people and care for people and pray for the sick and believe God for miracles. We are people that can display God's power if you're using it to reach God's people. I love this. Because you look at Moses' life, it's marked with miracle, 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 miracle. Why? Why? Because Moses, Moses experienced miracles because he was on mission. And a lot of people don't experience the miracles because they're not on the mission. Can I just challenge us as we go into Easter week? Get back on mission. Watch how God wants to move through your life when you make it less about you and make it more about reaching people for him. Jesus experienced this all throughout his ministry. Why? How did Jesus' ministry, everywhere he goes, the blind saw, the lame walked. the lepers were cleansed the dead rose how is that possible you know why because jesus didn't make his life about everything else he made it about reaching lost people let me remind you today jesus wasn't just friendly to sinners everybody thinks they're like that's the goal like we want to be the nice church i i want to be nice i want to be friendly i want to be you know caring community but that's not what jesus's life was marked by he wasn't just friendly to sinners, he was a friend of sinners. Big difference there. Big difference. In other words, he got them close in his life. Some of you guys, you know, I challenge you all the time, you know, examine your friends, make sure you have the right people in your life. Some of you guys, you've overcorrected to where now you don't have a single lost person in your life. You literally, your life is surrounded in this Christian bubble. You need to find a mission field. What is your mission field? I've got mine. I've, I've found mine where I, I go there every day going, okay, God, I, I, these are the people in my life. I'm going to make sure. I'm, I'm going to be a witness to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for them when, they, when that opportunity shows up. I'm on mission. C.T. Studd said it this way. Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell, but I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. Wow. That's what I want Radiant Church to be. I don't want us to be some little cruise ship that is enjoying the Christian life. We're a rescue mission to bring people who are far from God, move them from where they are to where God wants them to be. Can I just encourage you, this is my Palm Sunday message, get back in action. Get back in action. You've been on the side of the desert for far too long. Some of y'all, it simply looks like this. If you aren't serving, write down your notes, then you need to join the dream team. That's your back in action right there. You just need it back, well, Aaron, I used to serve, but I'm not serving anymore. Get back in action. It's not because the church needs it, it's you need it. You you need to be part of what God's doing here. Every baptism, every life change, every miracle that happens, when you're serving, you're part of that story. Get back in action. If you aren't giving, get back in action by honoring God with your tithe. Honor him with this. You know, I did that years ago. Get back in action. Get back in the, in, the, in the start of it and, and make it a point. Don't tip God. Don't throw him a little bit of money here and there. No, 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 give him your first 10%. Honor him with that. And our church has gone above and beyond of being good stewards, good soil. Now you do your part. Say, God, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to be back in action. I'm on the front lines of what you're doing. And the last one is simple. this. If you're not inviting, <laughs> here's what I want you to do. And I know that's been a weird world with COVID world and everybody's kind of, you know, a distance, but as people are getting vaccinated and as, you know, kind of restrictions are lifted, I, I want you to do this. I want you to reach your peeps, reach your peeps. And I wrote it in that way because I want you to end this message with a reminder that is an Easter reminder that you're called to reach your peeps. God's got some people in your life, some friends in your life. That he's not put you in their life just to be a good friend so that y'all can watch football together and have your kids go to the same school. He's put you there because, if we're honest, they're slaves to this thing called sin. And God has called you to get out of your comfort zone and go back and reach them for him. So reach your peeps. Can can I just give you a visual? Because y'all know what this is? This is a peep. This is either the greatest... Easter candy of all time, or <laughs> how many are in the, it's, it's one of the best Easter candies. Come on, let's see the hands. All right. All of our locations. Yeah. Those, their, their hands are going all over. How many would say this is the grossest Easter candy? Yeah. Yeah. A vast majority. All right. Very good. But here's, here's what it is. It is the most evident and it is everywhere, Easter candy. So I'm giving you this visual right now. This whole next week, Here's what you're going to do. It's going to be crazy. You're going to see these things everywhere. You're going to see them at every grocery store, every gas station, every ad on Facebook now, because we're talking about it. It's going to be about peeps the whole time. And you know what I it to be a reminder of? I it to be a reminder for you to get out of the wilderness and get back on mission. God's got people on the other side of your obedience to say, you know what? I can't reach everybody, but I know I can invite some. I know I can give my part. I know I can serve where I need to do. I'm going to do my part to reach my peeps and some of the peeps I like. And some of them you're going to go, they're not great at all. But they're all people who have a need in their life to get free, free from sin and experience new life in Christ Jesus. Eight out of ten people this week, not, not this whole year, this week, Easter week, eight out of ten will come to church if they're simply invited. So on the way out today, you're going to be getting a packet of peeps. We bought one for every single person. So you can enjoy them or you can give them to somebody else. But with them is a little bit of invite cards because there's somebody on the other side of that invite card. That's a slave in Egypt that needs freedom. I love the story of Moses because the story of Moses is a story of one man's decision to say, I'm going to be obedient to God and I'm going to get out of where I'm comfortable. And by the way, he wasn't comfortable there for four weeks or four months or four years. He was there for 40 years. Some of y'all have been stuck for far too long. Can I encourage you? Get back in action. God has the greatest days still in store for your life. Well, Aaron, I am 80 years old. Great. In God's perspective, you're just getting started. You could have your greatest days ahead of you if you'll just get back in action. Come on, give a better praise than that today, amen. Let me pray for you. Everybody close your eyes. I want you to have a moment. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? The Holy Spirit is speaking maybe it's about serving. Maybe it's just about inviting. Maybe there's some friends that you know you need to be reaching out to this week. Maybe it's about attending. You're watching this message online and you've just gotten disconnected over this last year. Get back in action. Maybe it's about giving. Maybe you're disconnected in that area of your life. Get back in action. Just say, God, whatever you tell me to do during this moment, I'm going to be obedient. Come on, let's take a second. Whatever God says, just do it. Whatever God tells you to do let's be obedient to him while you're having that moment with god there's another group that's here today and you're not where you need to be with jesus i want you to know god loves you he cares for you he wants a relationship with you and this is your moment to make a simple yet significant decision to give your life to christ and if that's you on the count of three i want you to throw that hand up and say today's my day i'm getting back in action i'm giving my life to christ and i believe that decision right there in your seats will change your life for eternity. I I surrender to Jesus right there in your seats, if that's you on the count of three. I'm not where I need to be with God, but I'm making a decision to come to Him, give Him my life. Throw that hand up. Ready? One, two, three. Throw those hands up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, so many people in the service. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's pray this prayer out loud together. Say it with me. Say, Dear Jesus. Come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life, I give you my past, I give you my present. And I give you my future. Forgive my sins for the rest of my life. I'm going to follow you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate with those that just made the best decision ever? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.